Hi, I'm Melissa Withers, and this is Unfounded. In each episode, a guest and I tackle a topic about biz building and startup culture, but we do it by asking each other only three questions, one about the past, one about the present, and one about the future. The third question, the one about the future, that's the wild card. We have not shared this question with each other in advance. And that's it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, Alan. I am so happy to have you here today as a guest on Unfounded. Uh, when I think about the topic of co-founding and chaos-proofing your partnership, I really can't imagine talking to anyone else about this. Uh, and that's not just because you've been a good partner to me through the years, but I also have heard many of your war stories uh, from your entrepreneurial endeavors of the past, and you've had many experiences uh, building businesses with people, uh, but also because we've been working together long enough that we have seen our fair share of difficult trying times. Uh, and we know the everyday challenges of staying united in the face of relentless chaos. Um, so I can't imagine having this conversation with anybody else. Uh, so thank you for being here. As you know, uh, we have three topics through which we will explore this topic. Uh, sorry, three questions where we'll explore this topic. One looks to the past, one speaks to the present, one leans to the future. As you also know, uh, we've given each other a sneak peek into questions one and two, those about the past and the present. But question three, the one about the future, that's the wild card. And we have not shared these questions with each other in advance. As you also know, I don't do formal bios on this show. Uh, and instead, uh, for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more listening or watching about Alan's experience as a founder, an investor, a mentor, you can check it out in the show notes. Uh, and what I've asked Alan to do is to pick three words uh, to describe himself before we jump into this conversation. So Alan. All right, can one be high Every, why does everybody can't live with three words? Why does everybody need four? Huh? You, you, you do you, you do you, you do you. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to go with curious, committed, and uh, adventurous. I mean, I've known you for 15 years. You are those things and so many more things, but um, I'll let that stand. I'll let that stand. Oh. Even though no one asked me to judge your three words, but uh, look, I did it anyway. Did uh, rule it. number one about being a partner, stop being so judgy. Uh, good to know that I've really grown uh, in my partnership. Um, all right, chaos proofing your partnership, uh, working together to build shit. Um, let's get to it. All right, Alan, get into your time machine. I'm going to ask you to look backwards for this question. Do, 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 do. So we're going in the way back machine. What is the most colossal mistake that you've made as a co-founder with a co-founder and what might you do differently today? Hmm. Well, there are so many to choose from. Um, I think that the it's like a trail of, our, of tears. Trail I think of the success of our partnership has definitely been built upon uh, some, uh, some big mistakes in previous ones. Um, but I think, I think back to the first, startup that I co-founded and it was a simple mistake but that had long-lasting effects that ultimately fractured uh, the co-founding partnership and that was not being clear about and then respecting uh, roles and responsibilities so who does what and why and therefore trusting the 
um, the other person or the other people to do those things. So in, in my, my first venture, um, we had a young team. We didn't have a whole lot of co-founding experience. And uh, at the beginning, everybody does everything, right? Like that's, that's how you get started. Um, but partnerships have to mature and understanding clearly both the role of the other person or people in the partnership and then being really clear about that and respecting those boundaries, I think is something that as a team we didn't do, that I didn't do individually well um, with those partners. And as a result, uh, you know, I ended up eventually being asked to leave the partnership. Um, and, you know, it was a learning experience. It, it, it hurt for a while, but I think I really, I learned from that about, you know, about uh, the importance of being really clear about roles and responsibilities. And then once that's clear, really respecting them. Yeah, it's like so messy, but if you can't like clean it up as you go, right, then it's really hard to make it work. But you were just, but you were just a kid. You were just a kid. Um, all right. Um, hit me up, Alan. Take me to the past. All right. So, all right. In the Wayback Machine, one for you. So sometimes uh, chaos doesn't come from inside the partnership, but it comes from outside. Um, what's one way that you've been able to handle external chaos in your founder partnerships? But I have to look backwards to when I was terrible at that um, because it's only today in my glorious maturity that I can stay calm in a chaotic situation, as you may know. Um, I think if in a good partnership, the chaos should mostly be coming from outside the partnership, right? And I think... Um, that's that stress, right? That not letting that stress infiltrate the partnership, right? To see yourselves as united, even if you're disagreeing and to see yourselves as allies. Uh, you know, I think even in domestic relationships, it's so easy when you're feeling pain to turn it to those closest to you. And I think that that's been, that's true in business relationships as in personal relationships. I think in the past, what I didn't understand was how it's, it's not unlike your commentary about roles and trust. And if you don't trust yourself, you can't trust anyone else and you can't trust your partner. And never is, never is a lack of trust more dangerous or traumatizing than in a, in a difficult situation, right? Um, it's, the, it's, it's exactly when you need to feel secure and have trust. I think in the past, I always saw it as my responsibility uh, to fix or solve. And, and I did so without often trusting myself. Like I truly didn't trust myself. Uh, but then as a consequence, I don't think I truly trusted my partners. Because if you can't trust yourself, like how do you trust your partners? And so I think when I look back in my time machine to how I was as a partner in the past, I think, um, yeah, I had trust issues. Um, and I think trust issues uh, in chaos is like, that is just a, that is a bad, bad combination. So there you have it. All right. So okay. Dial it forward to the present. Uh, shush. I'm in charge. Roles and responsibilities, sir. You. You're in who charge. Is, who, who is the host here? Uh, back <laughs> to today. We're on the, the terra firma of now. Um, what's one partnership skill or a technique that maybe served you well in the past that you might have been really proud of it or leaned on it heavily? 
uh, in your career, but today maybe you value it less or see that particular skill or technique in a less flattering light based on how you've matured as a partner? Hmm. I think in the past, a large part of my, um, the way that I contributed to partnerships was by creating structure and formalism. I came out of an engineering, very structured background and uh, made a lot of uh, spreadsheets and PowerPoint slides and process diagrams and things that I hoped would help uh, my partners in the organization to, uh, to structure their work. And I think that um, now I, my flow with you and, and I think my flow generally is, is much more organic and it's much more about preserving um, directional alignment and um, you know, creating buy-in conceptually and then figuring out the details together. It doesn't mean that I don't still value structure and formalism um, as a tool, but maybe I don't use it as a guiding foundation as much as I did earlier in my career. Less PowerPoint, more whiteboard. <laughs> exactly. You with like a brilliant, beautiful mind in front of the whiteboard. I'm not supposed to make a commentary on this, but I think that's a really powerful uh, part of really partnering with someone is, is recognizing that you can have a vision for the end, the conclusion, but it, if you really want to be in a partnership, you, you have to create space for that end to be something that you co-create. And I think for both you and I, that's difficult because we tend to get really enthusiastic about connecting all the dots and trying to explain it and sh you know, show it that even if you don't intend the unintended consequence of that can be just making someone feel left out or making someone feel like it's a fait accompli or, and, yeah. and even if you don't mean it that way and you're really open to modification or amendments, you're sort of sending a signal that says, here's how it's gonna go. <laughs> like, look, here's the opening, here's the beginning, right? Yeah. I'm pleased to say uh, it's been a long time since you sent me a PowerPoint deck to explain something to me. So I think you made a wise decision I don't know how that would go over. I'm not sure if that, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think we might, that might not. That There's might definitely still some spreadsheets floating around, but there I'll take a spreadsheet, but yeah. yeah, I would say good choice. Good choice, at least with me on leaving that one, um, that one behind. So, all right, your turn. Hit me up with your question about the present. Okay. So uh, today I know a big part of your role is talking to literally hundreds of founders every year. Uh, either through working in the rev up process or through your mentoring. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, what are the signs that you see and that you look for of a solid partnership that can survive the pressures uh, of growing a company? I've been actually thinking about this a lot, both in the context of how my ideas about partnership are uh, ever evolving as, as I continue to try to just be be better or just be more me. I'm not even sure sometimes that those two are the same. Um, I actually think for newer entrepreneurs, so younger entrepreneurs, they're reinventing organizations and structures in ways that are leaving behind some of the hierarchical um, patterning that maybe we took as, as gospel. Uh, and I think they're less bound by the permanence and the significance of some of the things that felt very impenetrable or um, fixed to us in terms of roles and responsibilities. And I think from the onset are, are thinking uh, about different, uh, different structures, less hierarchical structures for creating value and getting things done. 
I don't think it always works. And uh, I, for a very long time, I think I was relatively resistant to even seeing the potential. But as I now see, as, as I now become more aware of my own distance from the future, just, you know, like by definition, uh, I am seeing a lot of creative revisioning of what it means to be a team, what it means to contribute, uh, different levels of comfort with people coming in and out of ventures and, and different levels of effort. Um, than I would have tolerated or accepted uh, either early in my career as an investor and certainly aren't natural uh, behaviors or work environments for me, you know, as a 46 year old person. Um, so I, I think I'm seeing the future uh, and it's bumpy and it's weird and I don't totally get it. And some of it's just dumb as fuck and it should never, ever, ever come to be. But I'm also seeing, I think, um, I think I'm seeing a, a very relevant poignant shift in how we build businesses and how much just globally things have changed in the last decade even. Um, and I'm excited to shift my mentorship and advisory supports to not so much trying to share a pattern or a, a framework that I think is the best, but rather try to take the lens of the experiences that I've had and see if those tools, like see how that fits to these new structures and um, and try to help them navigate that while always being cognizant of the messy human side of doing anything with another human and how um, how, how intimate and emotive it is even when we don't want it to be. So yeah, that's that. Um, all right, so- Took me into the future a little there. I, I did, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, and you would never accuse me of being terribly forward-looking. So I think it must be something about the, something about the day because you, I'm pretty, pretty literal and rigid about talking about now. So I don't know, maybe I'm changing. Maybe you're watching me metamorph uh, right before right your before very eyes. eyes. Before your very eyes. All right, strap in. We're getting back in the time machine. Now we're going to the future. Um, and now it, this is gonna seem now a bit leading. Uh, I hadn't planned it this way, but my question sort of naturally makes you, uh, I want you to follow me now into that space. Uh, uh, yeah, there you go. Partnership at play here, taking you where I want, where I want you to go. Um, okay. I think you, I know you agree that the way we think about building businesses is just changing really rapidly. It's just the pace, the pace of how you do things, the models, they're just, it's fast and faster and faster. Um, there are obvious things that partners have to deal with when they're trying to build a business together that are still real today, funding, strategy, culture, personalities, power, control. And I think those are real and they're probably not going anywhere. Um, but when you look at all the changes afoot in just how we build businesses and what you, how you need to navigate the, the, the opportunities and challenges, what do you think in 10 or 20 years will be the most chaotic aspect of, of a partnership? Do you think it will be similar to the things that we experienced? Or do you think there's something lurking around the corner that ultimately is going to matter a lot more to a successful partnership than it does today? Hmm. I'm going to go old school with this and say that um, and, and say that human dynamics are still going to be the thing that in 10, 20 or 100 years are really what determine uh, successful partnerships or not. And I think we, there are some new things that are occurring, right? We're talking about um, uh, geographic distribution, the possibility of partners who only interact digitally and who have never met physically, uh, the possibility of uh, distributed projects that maybe are something between a project and a company, the way that 
that that uh, that crypto and the blockchain are enabling uh, distributed creations of value that maybe don't look like the traditional company uh, that allow you to partner in ways that um, and define value in ways that we couldn't before. I think ultimately, though, we will still see at its core um, the value creation created by a company still around people that align around a common vision who enjoy working together uh, and who, when those things break down under stress, whether uh, it's because of external stress or internal conflict, uh, that the company doesn't do well or, or fails completely. Uh, I think the observation that you know, was made 10 or, or so years ago when we first started working together that most early stage companies fail because founders don't get along I think that that is still going to be true 10 or 20 years from now. Going old school with it. Amen. Yeah, I can't really, can't really critique you on that. Not that I'm supposed to, not the format, not <laughs> what I'm supposed to do. Um, all right, um, all right. Launch me into tomorrow. So future question for you. Um, in, you know, 10 or 20 years, uh, when you, ask me or whatever set of partners you have in the future uh, how you want to be known as a partner uh, what's it going to be how, how how will you how will you define yourself as a partner like how, like how i want someone to describe me if they didn't know i was eavesdropping yes yes a future description of yourself as a partner i think i mean i i I've spent my whole life worrying how other people will describe me. And so I'm, I have, I, I just can't, I don't even want to do the, the exercise of, of that because that's all I do is worry about how others will define me and whether those descriptions live up to either my own expectations for how I'm supposed to be or the expectations that they or the dynamic has for how I should be. And so I think what I would like to have happen as I continue to be better at partnering is let go a little bit about trying to be performative uh, in my partnership and be more relaxed around moments where perhaps I am perceived unfavorably and have that be not so discomforting. I think it's been tough for me um, for lots of reasons, you know, personal ones too, that you know, just my, like how, how I've developed. I think what I would what I would like to continue just to strive to be is a little more flexible and just a little less married uh, or affected by like how someone describes me in a moment, right? I mean, obviously, when it's all said and done and someone looks back, I hope that I didn't destroy anyone's life through my poor partnership. Um, and you want people to remember you fondly, but I don't think partnership is really about looking back, right? It's really like those moments. And I think in a partnership, when you're building a business, like anything, you're just, they're gonna, you're gonna have momentary feelings about a person and momentary feelings about how they're behaving. And it's an aggregate, it kind of smooths out. I think I have I've always been a little myopically obsessed with those micro moments and I've lost the thread. Mm -hmm. I've lost the forest for the trees. And as a consequence, I have, I think over-rotated or taken the performative aspect of partnership um, 
to a place that just didn't bring out the best in me. That wasn't my most natural organic self. So I think a big part of partnership is, is trying to stay calm in the chaos, to see it as, see it as a long-term experience and try to, uh, try to recognize that you can't always control how everybody sees you. But as long as you can, as long as you see yourself and you can listen to how someone else sees you, then somewhere in there, you can triangulate changes to your behavior that hopefully can, you know, make the partnership better. So yeah, I want to give fewer fucks about what everyone thinks, but I want to use that in a way that in the end will make you remember me fondly. Well, as you do, that was, that was a incredibly uh, honest answer. And and I look forward to partnering with you. Well, now we're going to have an explicit warning on our podcast, which seems to be inescapable with me, <laughs> even though I'm like a nice girl, but I, something about uh, my, 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 I got a potty mouth this season. So, um, well, that is it. We are done. We have circumnavigated the topic through past, present and future. Uh, and there's so much that, I mean, we could do, this is, should be your next clubhouse topic is you should just do a whole thing on partnerships. Cause I have, I've, I've heard some stories, man. I was also present when you, when you had a moment of reunification with an alienated co-founder from the past and you two guys hugged it out. So I've seen it all. Well, and then certainly you and I have aired plenty of laundry, uh, with each other through our partnerships. So yeah, you should take this topic and, and, uh, you should really run with it because you you are the king when it comes to these experiences so and you taught me a lot along the way so um thank Thanks you so much you taught me thank you and uh i will see you again <laughs> really soon sure. since we work together every day <laughs>